Nowadays, introducing the original Blood Clad Podcast, not BS. Told in semantic. Special dedication, all the way from New York. Boom! Yeah, man, SWOT semantic. Yeah, man, oh. Boom! Sued in semantic. Yeah, man, Big up to the man, yeah. Sued in semantic. Welcome to the Soothing Semantics Podcast. I'm your host, Rafi Pinsky. Make sure to subscribe, like, share, and leave a comment. If you have any questions, make sure to ask them. Today, we have Angel Garcia on the show. Thank you so much for coming, brother. It's a pleasure having you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me man. Absolutely. So I am part of, for whoever doesn't know, I am part of coaching with a very very interesting guy, a very successful guy, uh, Aaron Novello, and he is uh, good friends with Angel Garcia. And uh, I watched one of the episodes on Aaron Novello's podcast recently, and Angel was discussing systems, um, how to, how to uh, grow a business with uh, systems and systemization, and uh, as well as the flips that you've gotten into over the past few years. So uh, you also mentioned, which uh, really hit me when you were, you were doing sales, I forgot, you were working in a, in a what, what were you doing with um, the sales business that you, you were number one in the country? I was uh, working at LA Fitness. So I was right. a right. personal trainer and then they moved me into uh, what they called personal training director, uh, which is basically where you're selling personal training memberships. Okay. Uh, tell us just because people haven't heard the uh, Novello episode, whoever's listened to this. So how did you, how did you go from being a regular personal trainer, a standard personal trainer to becoming the number one salesperson for LA Fitness? Yeah. So it was, it was interesting because um, it was right out of high school, right? So I was actually still going to, uh, I was going to college at Santa Monica College and um, I needed to make money. So I started getting uh, some jobs and one of them was being a personal trainer. And you know, they told me that I had to go out and acquire my own clients. So to acquire my own clients, I had to learn a little bit of the sales skills. So what I started doing is I started picking up a couple of sales books. And then I asked my dad as well, which is in real estate, um, you know, if he can share some techniques or tactics or whatever. And, and he recommended actually some Mike Ferry scripts, which is really funny. Um, and I started using some of the verbiage that was in there and I was practicing it. And then when I started working with LA Fitness specifically, because it used to be Bally Total Fitness before LA Fitness bought them over, um, they actually had the exact same scripts, uh, which was really, really funny. So they, they had the same scripts, like LA Fitness had copied uh, Mike Ferry scripts, but then I found out that later on that Mike Ferry had some sort of affiliation or some sort of connection with LA Fitness, like their friends really? or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it was a funny story. So um, anyways... Um, when I started actually uh, selling stuff on uh, LA Fitness, it became real easy because I already knew those scripts because I was practicing them just to learn some basics in sales, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what ended up happening is uh, I wanted to get into real estate. My dad wouldn't let me get in. Um, and he said, go get a sales job. So when I was working as a personal trainer, my entire intent was let me get really, really good. So that way my dad will allow me to get involved in real estate uh, and show me the ropes and, you know, I can get started with a real career. 
So anyways, um, right away, the first thing I started doing was focusing on, on, on sales versus actually personal training. And then slowly, uh, slowly, but surely well, actually it went pretty quickly. So month one, uh, number one in the club month two, like number one in the area, then region, then the state, then, uh, like the West coast of the United States, then the United States. So it was like month after month after month. And it was, it was cool. But my dad wouldn't, uh, uh let me into real estate until I literally I that. became number one in the nation. So that was, that was pretty funny. Yeah. You kept Never. coming back to him and you're like, dad, oh, can we do this now? He's like, nope. He just, he kept deterring you from doing it. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of like, uh, he kept pushing me away, uh, away from it. It's because the, the market had just crashed and the real estate was like pretty, like still on the low side of things. It hadn't really started rebounding yet. So it, it was kind of like, stay away from real estate. You know, it's a bloodbath over here. So every time I would get to, let's say number one in the club or number one in the, you know, the area or whatever, he would, um, I would come up to him and bring it up and I'm like, look, check it out. I'm number one in the area. Um, and he's like, you're not really going up against actual salespeople. They're just personal trainers really. And I'm like, oh, all right. Well, it's like, just show some consistency, keep on doing it. And then we'll talk later. And then I kept ranking up. And, uh, and then finally, when I became number one of the nation, he finally said, all right, fine, come on in. So that's how I got started in real estate. And that's how that little story went. Okay. That's, that's terrific. And how, how have you kind of, from the time you started and you joined your father, what were things, cause this, I'm, I uh, don't think I mentioned this to you, but I started as a realtor in August of the beginning of August of last year. So I'm about to hit my first year and I'm always one of the biggest questions I have for realtors that have been in the game longer than I have and are doing well is what did you do your first year to really get things going, to get the momentum? So the, well, first thing is that I did a lot of practicing. So I practiced my scripts and what I was going to say. So it came in a combination of two things. So first thing is that I had to really understand the scripts and dialogue of having a conversation with somebody about real estate, preferably with cold prospects because of, you know, I'm brand new, I'm young. I don't, I don't know anybody yet. Right. I can't, it's hard for me to talk to people about real estate um, or talk to past clients and stuff like that. Cause I don't have any. Right. So it would, I had to master the, the cold prospecting scripts. Um, I spent about two hours a day learning the scripts even before I got licensed. Once I got licensed, now it was two hours a day plus prospecting and then prospecting. I had to, so I, I prospected a lot, right? A, a whole lot more than I would imagine most people would do just getting started because I think most people try to dabble into it. I went, you know, like all the way in. So what I did is I was really prospecting for five, six, seven, eight hours a day, especially that first, uh, the first few months, it was just like ridiculous. It was really, really aggressive. In my head, I had to make up in really hard work what I lacked in skill. Mm-hmm. So it was just a matter of really putting in the time. Okay. And then a I, lot of role play and, and script practice, obviously. Yeah. To, to simplify it, it was number one is really work aggressively on skills and then put in the time into talking to cold prospects where I can use those scripts. Right. Um, and then with time, I, I started to catch up real quick. My learning curve was cut in half because I kept focusing on my scripts and then I was putting it to use regularly. Right. For sure. Yeah. I have to definitely, I have to focus more on the square part of it. Like I make the calls, but I have to focus on the skill aspect of it because naturally I'm naturally I've, 
I've made calls prior to real estate. I was in sales for two years before that. So I've made thousands of calls before. So that's not really an issue to me as much as knowing what to say and being and, and the objection handling side of things. Yeah. And, and, and here's the other thing too, that I'll, I'll recommend to you and to anybody else that's watching this as a new agent or even as an experienced agent, because I think some people don't even realize this now. So it's not just about going contacts crazy either. It's all, it's also, it's everybody understands that it's about the quality of the conversations that you're having as well. That's why people role play. Right. But actually taking a look at how many conversations are like longer conversations. Right. So let's say, for example, you can make 20 different contacts where maybe you only got the first sentence in and then they said, you know, I'm off the phone, like I'm hanging up on you Mm -hmm. or you stay on the phone for one minute or longer. One minute or longer basically means that you were able to at least hold, like keep them on the phone for a while. So if you start focusing on contacts, like if you're using, let's say Mojo, or if you're just tracking your calls, check to see how many calls that you have that are going at least one minute or longer. Like, like look at the time that you were connected on that call for. And Mm -hmm. that'll be Vulcan. Yeah, yeah. So, so Vulcan, yeah, Vulcan has it too. Right. Yeah. So okay. if you're tracking contacts, you know, go instead of just saying, let, let me do 20 contacts or 30 contacts or 40 contacts, whatever that number is, focus on, let's say, 20 one minute conversations or more. It's very cool. I like that. I'm going to do that. That's awesome. Yeah. That makes uh, a huge difference. That'll change the game for you if, you if you're not doing that currently. Okay. No, for sure. Um, uh, as far as time blocking, generally, you know, what we've learned to do at Keller Williams is the four hours at least of time blocking in the morning. And then you can spend the next few hours in follow-up or if you have any meetings and the rest of the day, you're just going on appointments. And if there's nothing else going on that day, then you continue to lead generate. Uh, but the time blocking is just say from eight to 12 or from nine to one, whatever you set that time to be, you set 20, con- you make 20 contacts. That means you speak to 20 people, however many calls that takes. And you set the goal is to set at least two appointments for the day. So admittingly, there are definitely plenty of days I haven't set those two appointments and I have to be more on top of that. Um, But that's kind of how they've taught us to really structure the day-to-day business. And I I think that's very good. They're very strict about making sure that those, specifically those few hours in the morning are time blocked and nothing gets in the way. Yeah. So you definitely want to make sure that you're time blocking. Time blocking is like how you'll stay efficient with your time, essentially. Right. Mm -hmm. So what I focus on is making sure that you have as much lead gen time as you can until you start getting too busy with the appointment. So the easiest thing to control is, of course, the morning, which I'm sure you've heard a few times. The other thing that you want to keep in mind is that you want to separate your prospecting versus your lead follow up. So lead follow up and prospect are two different things. So when you're following up with leads, those are going to be much warmer conversations. Those are always a priority, right? Like follow-up is really where the fortune's at, but you have to have people to follow up with. So you never want to disrespect your cold call time or your cold prospecting time, whether it's at the door or whatever, you know, however you want to get your cold contacts in. Um, But you want to make sure that you're focusing on talking to new people for, let's say that two, three, four hours a a day. And then you Mm -hmm. separate out some separate, like some different time where you'll do, let's say an hour of follow-up or however much follow-up you have. Mm -hmm. Um, But respect those time blocks as two different time blocks, right? Because they're both going to be on the phone, but you're talking to two completely different categories of people. It's a very good point. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, The other, the other thing too, is like with that time block, you're going to do, let's say, call it three hours of prospecting, right? 
So if you're committing to a solid three hours of prospecting, then you also want to make sure that you're calling it the most efficient way possible. So that means that you want to start off with the hottest prospects first and then work your way down to the coldest. So, and you want to have a healthy balance of it all. Like for example, like expired are, are usually going to be the hottest, you know, uh, cold prospects that you can hit really meaning that you have no relationship, like new contacts. Okay. However, there's only so many of them that you can call. And you also got to mix it up because you're usually going to get less contacts here than you will, let's say on a just listed, just sold. So nice. what you do is you focus on the hottest stuff first, but commit to it for, let's say uh, one hour. And then the next hour you focus on the next list and so on. But you have to find that right ratio. Just look at what you're converting more. Okay. So how do you kind of break that up? Because I know in Vulcan, you just have, you have expired, you have FISBOs, you have for rent by owner, you have foreclosures. I just call, I've been calling the expired and FISBOs. So yeah. they also have passed off market. They call it off market, which is expired. So they yeah. have the current, the current ones that come up every day and then they have the, the older ones. So how do you kind of break that down? Sam, because I don't know how Mojo is structured, but how would you break that down? Say I have a four hour call period. How would you kind of, would you do regular expired, you know, new expireds first, then the passed off market, then the FISBOs? Like what would you go to? Yeah. So usually the hottest ones are going to be like the brand new expires. The brand new expires should be first priority because those are the first ones that are going to get lit up. You either want to be the first to call, the last to call, or you want to catch them at like on a weekend or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So that means that the expires, like hot expires, let's say are the first thing that you call. Then you call like the new for sale by owners. Those are also going to be like the new stuff is always the stuff that you want to hit first. Mm-hmm. Right? Once you hit all of the new stuff, then you go into, let's say, a list of old expires, right? And specific old expires. So you can set up filters in Vulcan that'll allow you to say, okay, well, I only want to call old expires that I haven't already attempted more than, let's say, eight times, because that's going to be a, a higher quality list than people that you've called, let's say eight to 20 times. Right. So what ends up happening is you're always focusing on the most efficient way of spending your time within that prospecting time block. Now, the other thing that you want to keep in mind is also what, what am I best at converting? So it doesn't matter that expired to the hottest. I'll tell you this much, a brand new guy, you tell me, what do you think he's going to be more successful at calling just listed, just sold, um, or let's say absentee owners and stuff or calling expireds? it's usually going to be the colder leads, right? Like just this is just sold and mm-hmm. let's say absentee owners or whatever. And that's going to be because they don't have the skill level to take down an expired yet. Right. They can get lucky, but for a sustainable business, they're probably not going to be that fortunate. So you want to look at where the business is actually coming from and where you're generating the most quality opportunities um, with that time. So if you look at, let's say an hour of, uh, of prospecting, they, put it this way. Put an hour of prospecting into each bucket. Expireds, for sale by owners, absentee owners, just listed, just sold. Put an hour into each of them and see which one created the most quality opportunities for you at the end of that one hour session. Track that for a week or two weeks. And then you'll start seeing like, hey, for the 10 hours I spent here, I got one deal. For the 10 hours I spent Mm -hmm. here, I got no deals. For the 10 hours I got over here, I got three appointments. So like you start seeing like, oh, Looks like the money's in this list. Even though everybody says expired are the greatest, maybe that, that's not the best list for me. Well, here's some, well, two questions. First of all, absentee owners and just listed, just sold, I'm not even familiar with. What exactly, what does that fall under? Because that's never really mentioned. A K, I mean, I'm sure they mention a KW, but I've, I mean, I've heard the terms floating around, but they don't, yeah. no one really seems to delve into that much. 
Okay, so that's kind of like the the target. So who are you targeting? Um, so you can target obviously expires people that came off the market for sub owners, people that are selling on their own. Then you have absentee owners, right? So these are basically people that own properties uh, as investments. They don't live in them. Oh, okay. So they're absentee owners, right? Then you have uh, let's say the just listed, just solds. So just listed, just solds is if someone if you just listed a property for sale, you want to let the neighbors in the area know, hey, I just listed this property. Curious to know who you know that might be interested in buying a home in the area. So circle prospecting. Circle, exactly. You're doing circle prospecting um, around listings that just that you just put up for sale or listings that you just sold. That way you can use that as a as a as a talking point for other neighbors. Okay. So there's another question to no Okay. So yeah. say, okay, in a condo, it seems pretty straightforward. You would call in that condo. Do you call neighboring condos like yourself personally, or do you just call in that condo? Call all the complex. Hmm? Call, the, call the entire complex. Yeah, call the entire right. complex and let them know that you just listed something in the in the complex. Okay. Um, and aside from that, if it's a house, I know that Aaron tends to go like the 20 house radius. That's what I think, pretty sure that's what he does. If he lists, he'll go like the five in front, the five in back, you know, kind of northeast, um, uh, <laughs> north, southeast, and west. He'll go, he'll go a, 20 house, a 20 house radius. That's kind of how he does it. So what do you do? You can do the same thing. It, it, it just depends on whatever you want to focus on. The closer you are, the more likely that those conversations are going to be more of quality. The further you go out, the lower the quality. The thing is, is that let's say, for example, if it, it goes back to the quality of the list, right? So let's say, for example, an hour of ex, like expireds is getting you the most opportunities, then that's where you want to start spending your time, right? or let's say deals at the end of the year, because at the end of the year, now you're not going to be looking at how many leads you're generating. You're looking at how many deals were closed from that, from that, that target that you were going after. Um, let's say just listed, just solds. Well, you almost like, if you're looking at a, a, at 20 homes, I don't think 20 homes is truly enough. In my opinion, I think that you need to go more than that. I, I would say go, you know, 200 homes, a hundred, uh, 300 homes, say go, go to 300 homes and call them all. Wow. Yeah, because it's not that many people. I mean, you're only going to get a hold of, you know, you're 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 going to call one out of seven of them will actually answer the phone, mm-hmm. and then you know that already reduces that list of let's say a hundred down to I don't know whatever whatever that number is. And how many times do you do this? Say you just sold a house. You're in Cali. You sold a house in a neighborhood. You call the three hundred homes in the area, the day of or the day after. How many times? After that, and for how long of a period are you going to call them? Or you just do you just do it once? I just do it once. I mean, I'll do it one time, and that's it. And 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 you know, the reality is, right now, I'm not doing any of it anymore. Uh, my team basically handles it, so I've just kind of created the systems where, you know, let's say for example, if we sell a property, we'll grab that list, you know, call it, and I have my team call it, and then that's that's basically it. So oh, that's amazing. The, the calls and everything that are still happening, I'm just not the one doing it myself anymore. Right, right. That's phenomenal. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to want to come back to you as far as how you structure that payment-wise, like how you did hourly and all that. Aaron also will, will talk to me about yeah, that yeah, once, yeah. I'm, once I'm in that position. I mean, right now I have a TC, which is a game changer. I mean, I got that immediately, and Aaron, I asked Aaron about it because other realtors were like, I always, I've spoken about this to Jose, Luis, spoke, I'm speaking about this to you because it's just, I'm so happy that I asked Aaron the question because so many other realtors that I know don't do it. And they've don't been do, in, some of them what? have been in. Huh? Don't, don't do, don't do what? Don't transaction they don't, coordinator. They don't hire a transaction coordinator. I mean, oh, before yeah. a virtual yeah. assistant that you have full time, 
when you're even, you know, when you're newer or whatever it is, um, but just to have somebody handle the transactional side of things, there are realtors that are just doing all of that themselves. Yeah. Yeah. You want to, you want to be able to delegate all of that stuff. So that way you can elevate your position on the, in your business. Right. So you never want to get caught up in doing all of the paperwork. That's, that's something that you should delegate on day one. Yep. 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 I love hearing that. I need to hear like the more I hear it, the better. It's just, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Waste of time. Remember, it's, it's a middle, it's a middle-class mindset, dude. Aaron, you know, Aaron really went into this and it hit me. It's just, uh, it's how I grew up. You know, I'm just used to doing everything myself because it's how they think. Oh, good, man. That's why, that's why you're in coaching because you're trying to elevate yourself. Right. So when it comes to like getting a transaction coordinator, what you may want to start off with doing is delegating it out to a per transaction uh, fee. And then as soon as you have enough of those fees where it represents like someone's income, you can switch that over to hiring someone full-time just for yourself. That's what I'm thinking. Once I start to generate enough business and I'm, you know, I'm in that position, then I'm going to definitely hire somebody full-time. Cause this yeah. way, you know, with it's which standard TC, they're handling so many other realtors transactions. You want them to focus their time and energy on you. You know, how many um, uh, transactions are you doing currently? The last, let's say 12, uh, how many transactions have you done since you got started so far? Um, I've done a few rentals. I have, I had three closings in June. I'm hope I'm working on two for this coming month. And I had one before, so it should be now it's been five. And now I have another two, so hopefully seven. Okay, good. So no, nothing, nothing crazy, but uh, no, well, you'll, you'll see like those transactions start taking up more and more time, especially when you're doing all the paperwork, but the key piece of it is, is imagine if you can focus all of your efforts on just staying on the phone with people, communicating with them and building new relationships. That's, that's where the money's at. It's not going to be in, in handling some of this paperwork, you know, and I hate doing it anyway, dude. I mean, uh, some yeah. people like it. Some people want to be in the background. I do not. I yeah. want to be having the conversations, the communication, the networking. That's where I am. Yeah. Um, and that's where the, truthfully, that's where the, the main profit, the major profits are. So I'm happy yeah. with it. Um, okay. So let me, let me just kind of recap mentally, just think about, because there's just so many questions. Okay. S- other systems. What are some systems that you personally use for, now I know you use Mojo. So Vulcan, I have, uh, I know there's follow-up boss that Aaron uses. Maybe you use that too. I just started with something called HomeBot. Familiar with that? Mm-hmm. So HomeBot, I, I do you use that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. I'm a big fan of it actually, and some yeah. of my clients like it too. It's very professional. It's nice. Yeah, it's nice. Um, it has a lot of cool little uh, tools on it. And you can connect your more your primary mortgage broker to it, which is great. He was yeah. already using it before I did. What are some other things you recommend? And before you before you say anything, I my realization is that, and I've been hearing this also, is that it's it's important not to get too stuck on the systems. Because a lot of people throw systems on top to avoid phone calls and avoid the actual lead generation. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to get too, you know, too, what's the word? Uh, too, I don't know why I'm lost. Yeah, <laughs> too yeah. lost you with the lead gen, the, essentially. Yeah, you don't want to get lost in the minutiae and the details of like systems and technology. Right, right, right. So mm-hmm. what happens is that there's a lot of different technology tools that you can use, right? So the way that I always explain it to people is that when you're looking at, at, at let's say, systems, right? Mm-hmm. A system is not a technology, right? There's technology and then there's systems. So technology mm-hmm. is the tool that you're going to use, like let's say a website, 
right? That's a that's that's really not a system. There's no system around it. A system is where you have one thing that happens, and every time that this happens, you want this to happen, right? So that's a system. Technology is going to be a tool like a like a dialer, right? A dialer is a technology that allows you to be more efficient with the calls. But a system is, let's say, tracking your the number of dials that you're doing to the connections that you're making, right? So you need mm-hmm. 10 people to talk to two, right? So that's that, that, that's like some reporting, but getting that reporting in place, let's say, so that way you can see it in, in front of you every week, that's a system. Okay. So another system would be like a transaction management system. So when you have a transaction, every time that you get a deal, you want this to happen and you want this to happen. You want your client to get a letter saying, hey, uh, you know, congratulations on opening escrow. Uh, you know, we're 30 days away from closing. These are the key dates that you need to keep in mind, right? That's a system. That's something that happens every time routine-like because you want to make sure that you're controlling the experience or you want to do some tracking or reporting, whatever, right? So my so, transaction coordinator does that. Once we go under contract, he puts an email together of the dates, any yeah. documentation that needs to be provided. It's a very organized email. So that's that's definitely done. Yeah. So you, you have a technology and then you have system, right? HomeBot is a technology. The system would be how HomeBot is connected, let's say, to your CRM. So let's say if you're using Lion Desk or Follow a Boss or Commission Zinc or Boomtown or whatever platform or, or uh, what's the KW one that uh, that you guys have? Command. command. Yeah, like so, you have Command. All these different platforms, how they work together is going to be the system, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't want to get caught up in the details, but system like good systems they have is you always want to have a past client system. You want to have a transaction management system. And then you want to have a new lead system and a follow-up system. So these are the big four, like core, like for, yeah, obviously you want to have like a, like a listing presentation system and stuff like that. But these are the three, like the f- three to four core ones, I would say. So past client uh, system is, let's say, whenever you close a transaction, you want to make sure that you record the person's birthday. That way you can reach out every single year on their birthday, or you have a, really? a letter whatever, like whatever that system you want to be. The other thing, as far as like a class client system is that like, I want to make sure that they're receiving content from me year round. So what I have is let's say every other month, they're getting something in the mail from me, right? Whether it's recent sales or if it's just a market update, um, bi-weekly video, email, like general update of what's going on in the market from me. And then their monthly market update with like, I'm sorry, market home value update. Like that would be HomeBot that goes out once a month, right? And mm-hmm. this now all becomes a system. So if you look at it, they're getting all, they're now getting something bi-weekly. So they're getting two touches a month, right? Mm-hmm. And they're getting the monthly uh, value of their home. Mm-hmm. They're getting a phone call from you once a year for their, uh, for their okay. birthday. Mm-hmm. Then they're getting a, um, a mail piece every, uh, mm-hmm. every other month. So that's another six touches, right? So it's almost like five. But now we're already talking about like 60 times that they're being uh, touched by you throughout the year. So you are now their person. No other realtor can really come in um, and they can't say that they don't remember your name after that because people literally will never forget their realtor's names after a year to two years because the transaction is done and they're gone. So past client system, that's a perfect example of a system. All of that stuff happens routinely, no matter what, every single year. They get invited to, let's say, a client event. Oh, I was going to ask you about that. Okay. Yeah. How, when did you start doing that? I presume your dad has been doing that for for a, a while. He, had, he, never, he wasn't. No, he, was not, he never did client events. Uh, that was something that we started doing when I came in. 
So what's that like? Because I actually saw a video. I was looking at your page and I saw you did it at a movie theater. You rented out the entire theater or one room, one actual room? I rented, well, the, it technically became the theater. So I rented a one like room technically, right. but the thing is, is that I, I scheduled it strategically uh, at a time where the, nobody's at the theater. So the theater was opened up just for us. Um, we had the staff basically. When was it? Like during the day on a weekend? On a weekday? Yeah, it was during the day. I think on a Sunday or something like that, you get great rates and it's, you know, it allows you to set up a booth and do your whole entire thing without other guests watching other movies getting in the way. In, on a Sunday, you'd think there would be people, no? No, not in the morning. Oh, is it? What time was it? Uh, I forget. Um, you just talk to the theater and then let, let, let ask them, like, what, what basically an hour before they open, do your event. Very smart. Okay, so let's see. Yeah. Um, and how did you, how did you kind of do sign-ins? I saw you had shirts, like I love my realtor or something like what my were some that, things yeah. that you did? What'd you say? My wife did that. Yeah. That's great. It's so yeah. clever. My wife. And then, uh, my, I brought my family as well. Like, um, well, my wife is my, my tight family, but my dad and my mom and my sisters and everybody else, um, they all came along. Um, and then they all wore shirts which basically says I love my realtor, which is kind of cool. That was my wife's idea. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's just fun. Like you, you have to make sure and remember that you can't make it so like business-like for something like that, because it's, it's your past clients. They already know you that you don't need to sell yourself to them. You're just kind mm -hmm. of having fun. You know? Yeah. And I think that's what builds that continual continuous trust. And the other, the other clients, all of the clients get to meet each other and kind yeah. of community. This exactly and discuss yeah. how awesome you are and how awesome the service was and they can become friends and yeah, yeah. It's, it's a phenomenal idea how so you do that once a year how often do you yeah uh, covid didn't allow us to do it this last year and it's just been a, a real hassle as like uh -huh. recently but it's just something that the clients really enjoy and then i also give away like a free tv you know you can get tvs now for like 400 bucks so it's not a big deal so, so you do like a raffle yeah, I'll do raffles. And then uh, to enter the raffle, you have to write a review, like if you have it already. Um, if you've already written a review, you're all good. Um, but that would be like one of the things, good, bad, or ugly. We're not trying to say, hey, write a good review. We're just saying, hey, write us a review uh, because I know that you didn't do it when we closed escrow. So, hey. John, you know, you owe me a review. review. I'm not giving you a raffle ticket until you write that review. <laughs> like just play around and have some fun with it. Obviously, we're giving it to them. We want their kids to be able to get a chance to win, a, win some sort of prize. Okay. And, and you do, are there any other kind of activities you do for the kids at the theater? Like what are, I'm just yeah, trying to get some well, ideas. Like I did a, like Disney um, on one of them and Disney one was real cool. Cause what I did is I hired like a, like a, I saw like that the Aladdin guy. Yeah. I, I hired an Aladdin guy and uh, somebody to do a uh, painting on their face, like another lady. Where'd you find the Aladdin guy? You just Googled something. <laughs> I just went on Craigslist. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, I just went on Craigslist and I just said, uh, you know, someone that dresses up like Aladdin. I, I forget. I asked my wife to like look it up, just find somebody that can dress up as Aladdin during the movie because that'd be cool. How much uh, did you pay this guy? Uh, it was cheap, man. It was a couple hundred bucks. It, it's not. It's not too expensive. I think it's like maybe like two hundred bucks, and then they're there for like the beginning when everything opens up, so everybody gets to take pictures on the way in. So it, it's it's real simple. Because how long was he there for? How long? Just he was only there for like maybe. Well, actually, you know what? I think I may have gotten him for the entire hour. He stayed for the Aladdin movie, so I, I it couldn't have been more than four hundred bucks altogether, including the paint. That's uh, that's that's what I remember. It, it so, something along those lines. Okay. That that would be the max that it would have. Uh, right, right, right. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then the other thing too is that you can have your uh, like your title rep or your lender and everything like that to help pitch in because you can also have them have a little booth there and then say hello mm-hmm. to your clients and stuff, and everybody's all for it because they get to be face to face with everybody. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get creative because I don't have any family down here in Florida. My everybody's back in New York, so I'm literally just gonna pull together a couple of realtors who are just very bubbly and fun. Like I can, I have a few colleagues that are perfect to bring along, so they'll be they'll be yeah. my extended family. Yeah, what you can do is have your broker try to coordinate something, or you and a couple other realtors try to try to do it. And then as long as everybody's cool, like you know, like not gonna be trying to poach each other's clients and stuff like that, like if there's people that you trust. Well, it makes you and your team now look a little bit bigger. So that that, that may be a, a cool little idea to, to get more people. Yeah, it's an option. I'm I'm a single agent, so it's definitely a thing I could do. But yeah, it's notes. I mean, you can do it with a broker, or you can even do it with your preferred lender. Like if you have a lender, tell them, hey man, tell your clients to come by too. That's an awesome idea. That's a great idea. Okay. And um yeah, you've given me so much value, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure. What are some, even before the episode's over, I just wanted to, what are some, what are some other things to keep in mind as a new realtor? I mean, obviously putting in the work, I get, we get, I get a lot of, uh, I get a nice kick in the ass from Aaron every, every Wednesday, which is great. Uh, what are, what are just things that you feel in any marketplace that realtors are not doing? And some of these things aren't necessarily complicated, but Especially as a new realtor, what else can you can you pour into to me and anyone else listening? Well, look, I mean, everybody knows the the simplicity of just obviously making sure that you're prospecting, right? Like that's going to be a big one. People don't, all right? So here's one other thing that helped me out a lot. I kept record of every single person I ever came in contact with. So I, I literally, anytime I met somebody that was interested in buying or selling a house. I, I put them into my CRM and I have their phone number, email, and what was going on. I put really good notes, but that makes it now really easy for you to start scaling your business. And then when you put together a past client system or you want to throw a client event, it's like you have a database now. So mm-hmm. what, what you start really getting a lot of business from is from your database. So you never want to disrespect the fact that, uh, the, disrespect the power of a database. And a database is just like, it feeds you forever. And then people that aren't interested in doing something now, they'll call you like, you know, five years later, I had somebody that I hadn't talked to like five years. I didn't even remember who the heck they were, um, but they reached out to me and they'd actually even changed their phone number, but I, I still had them in my system, like at least their name. So I was able to like go back to them for reference, but people will reach back out to you. And the reason that they had reached out to me and kept my information was because I kept sending them stuff. They've been mm-hmm. receiving my stuff for years. Um, so, and, and, and emails don't cost anything when you're sending out a blast email. It's like, you know, they just, they just get it. Right. So, all that stuff makes a difference. Uh, it's just making sure that you don't neglect it because it's it's kind of like that tedious thing. Like, oh, I got to go pop someone into my CRM. Mm-hmm. So like Vulcan, for example, Vulcan, you have a couple good conversation with somebody, make sure you put it into your CRM or Vulcan is your CRM and make sure that you just put it on the little side note and make sure mm-hmm. that you have a little category that's just like, you know, good conversations or people that I want to stay in touch with. Absolutely. Yeah. No, a lot of it is that it's just comes down to consistency to such a large degree with it. Like with anything else. Yeah. There's so many people they'll start, they'll start this whole system and they're all thrilled about it. And then a few weeks in, they completely drop it all. Um, and I think largely because they don't see any major results, you know, this is just a, a general statement that applies to everything. Yeah. Well, look, you know, what happens is people drop off too quickly and too soon. And yeah, you know, before they start seeing all these results, but the key is, is that 
you don't have to know everything. You don't have to overthink it and get analytical about like creating your database and how you want everybody to be reached out to. Just start collecting all the information and then you're going to do one little thing at a time. So by the end of this year, let's say you start doing uh, emails to all of your clients. Okay, cool. Well, that's now going to be uh, run and you run it like a system where it just happens every single time, no matter what. And then that's it. You never have to look at it again. Mm-hmm. Now you focus on just keep generating more business, more business. And then when you have some free time, let's say you put together another system to now also send a little bit of mail with it as well. Right. You know, another system in place. Now you want to start doing, let's say the, uh, the bi-weekly videos so that way you can keep people up to date with what's going on in the market. That's another well, system. Bi-weekly. That's, that's a lot. That's great. Yeah. That's, that's you, you, you do a personalized video with, with the person's name. Cause that's very time. If you have 500 clients, how do you? No, 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 no. So the bi-weekly video is just one general market update that I send to everybody. So everybody gets the same video. Well, do you work in several areas or you only have one farming farm area that you work in? Well, no, every, look, every area is going to be the same. So like if you're doing one for, let's say, uh, plantation um, okay. or Miami, right? Okay. I mean, the market for the most part as a whole is usually going to be pretty similar. So like right now, nationwide, we can all say, well, look. The market is really aggressive. We're getting uh, multiple offers and we're seeing above asking, right? That's, that, that's, I could say, I could say record that video for Los Angeles and it's true in Austin, right? Right. Like that's how, you know, general this market is. Well, that's now, but then also if you're getting more specific, say in, in Miami versus, you know, Ventura County where, where Jose Luis is, because I don't know Cali very well at all. Yeah. Things are obviously not going to apply from one to the other necessarily. So no, I'm just asking them from on an efficient level, more, if you're doing a bomb bomb. More often than not, they do. More often than not, it's, it's going to be the same. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying about like a blast email. So you're intentionally sending out market updates that are going to be broad enough to where you can do a blast email to everybody. So let's say interest rates just went down. Well, interest rates went down for everybody. So that means I, everybody gets this email. It's something that will go once every other uh, once every other week, basically. And then right now, what I started doing is because I'm, I'm starting to focus a lot more on like fix and flips and investment properties. So what I'm doing is I actually hired uh, somebody to start taking over our biweekly videos. So someone else is going to start now just recording those market updates. Um, yeah, we'll give them the script. They'll say it and then I'll shoot it out to my database. But this is all just, again, putting another system in place. Mm-hmm. Um, just thinking. Sorry about that. I apologize. Um, yeah. There's just like there's when it really comes down to it, there's the repetitious boredom, which is such a big factor. You know, I mean, I'm just, I'm just trying to look at all avenues because the first year, my first year is, I would say it's decent. I'm definitely not satisfied with it. Far from it. But uh, now that I'm entering my second year, I'm just thinking of things that I can, I think most of the things I'm doing, I'm doing properly. I just have to do more of it and have to continue to do it. You know, whatever's working, uh, do more of it. Whatever's right. not working, do less of it. That's a that's right. a simple rule of thumb, right? So right. you only know really what's working. So you can know sometimes, like just mentally, like oh well, like I I got three deals from expired. It's okay, cool. So then I want to do more of that. But then the other thing too is also look at it. So I'll give an example. I was talking to Jose Luis once, and he didn't realize this, but he was doing most of his business through probate. But he was spending like like 
a third of his time in probate, but two thirds of his time, let's say on expires. And expires is only like 10% of his business. So he was spending almost all of his time on expires, but he wasn't really getting many expired deals. So when I looked, when we were looking at it, I was like, dude, I can see that you're spending 75% of your time on the 10% of your business. And then you're spending 25% of your time on the 75% of your like, like actual income, right? Like it's a, you, you had it flipped. So he, he, he looked at it and was like, Oh crap. Like, let me, let me start adjusting who I'm calling. And it made a huge difference right away. So the same thing that you need to look at. And the only way that you can actually see it is if you're tracking. So it's mm-hmm. not just, and if you're tracking on what you call a lag measure, right? So there's two things. There's a lead measure and there's a lag measure. Are you familiar with the difference between the two? No. So a lead measure is something that you do now to, that's, that's supposed to re- result in something. That something is usually the lag measure. So I'll give an example. A lead measure is, let's say, prospecting. A lag measure is a commission check. Prospecting gets you a commission check. Well, if you're only tracking the commission checks, but you're not tracking what it took to get there, then that's a problem. Another, let's say a lead measure is, let's say how many appointments you're going on, but you can get an appointment today. You probably won't get paid on that appointment until two months later, Mm -hmm. right? So tracking your lead measures and your lag measures, and then, and, and, and kind of filling in the gaps in there, it is what will help you understand your business to another level to where now you can start making some really efficient changes. So that's what I was saying. Like if you're tracking how many leads you're actually getting out of one hour of prospecting on each like target uh, list that you're hitting, you'll now start to see, Oh, okay. My time is best used here, but you, but you have to be able to track that stuff. How do you personally track it? I have, I I track literally everything, man. I, I track. So what I, what I do is I just look at the dialer. So I make sure that I separate out my, like, like our dial times and I'll see, I was like, okay, so, on this list, I'm calling, uh, on this list, I'm getting, let's say, 1% of the people that we talk to that are interested. On this list, it's, let's say, half a percent. On this list, it's, let's say, 0.7. Okay. Um, on expires, let's say, it's like, you know, 10%, right? So I'll get a good qualified uh, appointment or a lead on one out of every 10 people, right? Okay. If it's, let's say, you know, just straight cold, like circle prospecting, it could be, let's say, I'll get a good lead every, let's say, half a percent. So that means that you got to talk to quite a bit of people before you get someone mm-hmm. that's interested. Okay. Um, okay, fine. And as far as refer or like using a referral network, I'm, I'm presuming you do that. Is that a big part of your business? No. Meaning not, I'm not even talking about from past clients, but I mean from other like states. Home. Oh, like mm-hmm. referrals. Okay. I thought you meant like home light or something. So no, I... Yeah. I uh, referrals, I, I get a lot of referrals, but it's mainly from my database. I do get referrals from other agents often, but uh, I wouldn't say it's a huge part of mainly it. From, okay. But it is mixed in. So um, it's, it's definitely a portion of it, but the main portion of my business is coming from my database. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Just from, from doing it over the course of time and building that, that reputable business. The other thing that you mentioned on the, on the message that you had sent over is that you were interested also in like uh, the flips and everything else and the progression into that. Do you have any questions yeah. I can answer for you? I mean, that's a whole different conversation. I mean, because it's I have a lot of questions on that. For me right now, I'm simply looking to build enough of a steady uh, GCI monthly and annually for me to feel comfortable doing that, even if it's on a smaller scale. I, I mean, I know you, you just have to jump in and I'm, I'm used to doing that, 
but I don't want to dabble in too many things right now because I'm so new. I want to focus on really building the client base and having constant business, at least, you know, just monthly, really just bringing in constant business. And then I'll start to focus on the investment side. I want to get into it as soon as possible. Ultimately, I, I, I really want to develop as well. But um, with that said, I don't want to jump the gun either. I want to just, I don't want to be a jack of all trades right now. I want to get good at this you know, and, and start to move along. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, the first thing that you should just really focus on like really, really aggressively is making sure that you're just getting that prospect in time. And what, what's, right. what's your contact uh, focus right now? Like how many contacts are you going for daily? 20. 20. Okay. So what I would suggest is make sure that those uh, contacts are not just 20 contacts. So 20 contacts is not a lot, especially if you're a new agent wanting to grow your business, you should be doing probably something closer to like 40 to 50 contacts. Um, because you know, uh, that my, if I, if I had to take a, a guess at, let's say a new agent, it's like, they're, they're going to do their 20 contacts. If you're really focusing on making your contacts, you're going to get that knocked out in two or three hours. What are you going to do with the rest of the day? You know? Mm-hmm. So what you want to do is really bump up the amount of contacts that you're doing, commit to a really aggressive, something that's going to be real challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're going to put a habit together, make sure that it's a habit that's worth chasing. So Gary Keller has that, uh, the, the book, The One Thing, right? Sure. Um, right, yeah. In The One Thing, he also talks about uh, habit forming, right? Mm-hmm. He talks about the 66-day uh, like habit forming rule, where mm-hmm. it takes 66 days to be doing the exact same thing over and over again before you actually, like, it becomes more like second nature. Right. So what you want to do is start doing, let's say, something that's going to be challenging, but make sure that you start anchoring it with other habits that you do regardless, right? So let's say, for example, um, exercise. If you exercise a lot, exercise yeah. is one of those things that you just do routinely. Well, it's, wanna... it's harder for me to do. It's harder for me not to at this point because I, yeah. I, feel, I feel like crap when I don't. So he even said that when Gary Keller was, was talking about that and the one thing he was saying that you come to a point where it becomes more difficult not to do it because it's so, yeah. it's so, it's such a habitual thing at, the, at that point. Exactly. So that's what you want to do. So what I would do is put a 66 day challenge in place and then focus on getting those 20 like contacts that you're getting. Right. But 20 contacts, what I would do is change the contacts, get rid of the word contacts and then focus on conversations. So 20 conversations a day, uh, and then this number of conversations got to be at least one minute or longer. If it's not a one minute conversation or longer, it does not count. Is so a contact? Have, yeah, it's it, it, okay. yeah. That's good. I like this. the phone. That's a contact. That that doesn't count as a contact. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You're going to be getting really um, like half-assed results if you're only focusing on contacts. This is something that took me a long time to figure out because I had to do like freaking you know sixty freaking contacts a day to like really understand the fact that it's it's really not about the contacts like i i I can have let's say make 30 contacts a day or even let's say 25 contacts a day or 20 contacts a day but if none of them were over a minute it's like i just wasted my entire day i gotta have one minute conversations or longer that's the focus it's and you want to have let's say 20 of them you want to start off with something that's maybe a little bit more manageable, easier, because it is tougher. It's, it's a whole different category of, of conversations because now you're talking to people, but you're focusing on the quality at that point when you're, mm-hmm. when you're doing a one minute conversation, because now you're mm-hmm. focusing on dialogue and making sure that you're relating, you're focusing on building that rapport. There's, it, it's, it, it's a conversation. Right. Minute yeah, no, it's, it's not, yeah, it's very, it's very, it's very cheap to just count it. It's very true. I like that you said that. 
both of those things to, to make more than 20 contacts and to consider a con to take a contact more seriously. So it holds more weight instead of just hello, goodbye contact. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this much, man. I'll change your entire business right now. If you take this one bit of advice right now, focus on the, like, if you just wanted to keep it super, super simple, get the 60, 60 challenge. Number one, right? Do the 60, 60 challenge, get it on in front of you. Make sure that you plan out your next 66 days and which days you're considering uh, you're, you're committing to working and then put on there the number of conversations that you're willing to commit to daily and then make it, make that the number. Don't even like context. It doesn't like, it's, it's all bullshit. Like that, like forget context, focus on conversations one minute or longer. That will change your entire, the entire trajectory of your business. Here's my question. Have you been sticking to that for the past two? Like how many contacts do you make a day? I don't prospect anymore. So when did you decide you you were done prospecting? I, you know, I, I got my team on. I started focusing a lot more. I committed to our, like my investment business. So I'm doing a lot of fix and flips. I've got 23 active fix and flip projects that keep us pretty busy. Um, and then you're doing a lot less sales at this point. Um, um, this year. Yeah. So this year, like I, I was doing the majority of all the sales for, you know, for my team for a while, but this year, by the end of this year, my goal is to do, let's say like 25% of it. So, um, and, and then focus a whole lot more on, on the flips. But what I can tell you is that from training my own team members and then from doing it myself, conversations is what makes the difference. And the 66 day challenge just makes it easy. So uh, like once you, once you change it up to 66 day challenge, you're gonna be on a trajectory like this. And you do the 66 day challenge where, where that prospecting becomes easy, but don't, don't, don't give yourself a, a, a weak ass goal where you're doing it based off of contacts. I'm telling you that that's, that, dude, I, I hired somebody that was doing 70, 80 contacts a day, a day. Mm. You know how many deals they did? Tell me. Like nothing. Cause they were focusing on contacts. They're just trying to make as many contacts as they could thinking that that's what's going to equal success. Contacts is not equal success. Building good relationships with people is what's actually going to get you the success. And you can't build a relationship with somebody on a 10 second phone call, 20 mm -hmm. second phone call, just because they heard your pitch that first line and they said no to you, dude, that's nothing, right? You're going to build a business because you're having really good quality conversations. Good conversations are going to lead to appointments. Focus. Okay. Yeah. No. So um, with that said, no, I did keep, keep, keep going. I, you were, you were in the zone. Focus on a, on a <laughs> one minute conversation. Um, as your, as your true goal. So if you, basically, if you look at the one thing, right, it talks about focus on one thing that actually matters that will move the needle the furthest. As a new agent, it's going to be the new, the, the, the amount of people that you're talking to, like new people, right? So if you're talking about new people that you're communicating with, focus on that conversation. One minute or more, key number, key metric, put that on your 66 day challenge or just put one giant little thing in front of you that just says, I'm going to have, let's say 15 one minute conversations or longer, nothing, nothing less than 15. And that 15 represents more than let's say 40 contacts, by the way. Right. No, I hear you. It's just a question of like, you do it for 66 days and then do you stick to that for the rest of your career? The, the, like, that's the question. It's like, at what point do you determine? Cause it's like a diet versus a lifestyle, right? That's how I, that's how my mind is understanding it. So I do that for 66 days. I form the habit and then, you know, 
it's all it's all up for interpretation and it's all a matter of how you want to run your business. But as a new realtor, I mean, you know, I'm looking at doing sales for the next while. It's, do something um, that do something that's attainable. So you're asking is like, okay, well, how long do you keep that up for? So right. basically, as once you become like a very busy uh, agent, like you've got a bunch of listings appointments that you're going on regularly, like you're you're just going to get tied up in a lot more of let's say negotiating and everything else. But mm -hmm. if you're just making phone calls, it's easy to prospect over six hours a day, get a hundred contacts, you know, like blast it up through the roof and do something crazy. Right. But the reality is, is that as you start getting more deals, you have less time to prospect. So mm -hmm. what you want to do is focus on, let's say three hours. What can you really, what are you capable of in three strong real hours of prospecting? Right. Ask Aaron. You can do well over a hundred listings with three hours of prospecting but it's about the consistency because he hasn't missed the day of prospecting in a long, long time. And with time, you see what that does. Right. So think about that, right? You want to make sure that this 66 day challenge is true to whatever goal you have at the end of that 66 day challenge, you can reassess and say, okay, well now I want to do 20 conversations or now I want to do 15 or 14 because now I've got appointments that I got to follow up with. Mm -hmm. And those conversations, they, they, you want to focus on conversations and again, these two different categories, right? So you can, let's say, divide them up. You can say, let's say 10 conversations with people that I've uh, never spoken with before. And then 10 conversations with people that I might, you know, that, that are already leads and just, I'm just doing my follow-up. But the key is have 20 conversations a day or whatever that number is, like whatever your goal is, just focus on the conversations because that's conversations is quality. Sure. Yeah, no, that's a big takeaway for me because I, I considered it a, a conversation, but not to the degree that you're expressing. Like it's, it's important that you really have that back and forth. Otherwise it's, it's null and void essentially. Make it definitive. No, you have to make it definitive. So a conversation, right. like when you're like, we're being very, very specific here. Right. So like, so what happens is, you know, you're, you're going to talk to yourself because you know, we've, we've all done it where you're like, you know, you make a contact with someone, you're like halfway through the script or you're in the middle of like giving your pitch and then someone says, I'm not interested by mm, They kind of heard me. Let me count that as a contact. Check, right? And now you gave yourself credit for one contact. Well, the way that I did it is I made it very definitive, right? Because the problem is, is that everybody has a different definition of what a contact is, right? Or what a lead is, right? Mm -hmm. So make it definitive to what it actually is, right? For me, a contact or a conversation is something that's going to be one minute or longer, very definitive. Like there's no like, Oh, well, what we, I, I, I made it to the second line of my script. Like, no, that's, that doesn't, you know, it's, it's one minute or it's not a minute. What is it? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. You're not halfway pregnant here. You're, you're either pregnant or you're not. You <laughs> right, right. So that you make it definitive like that, right. It's a one minute conversation. And then the next thing is also the, um, like the criteria of a lead, right? So what do you consider a lead? Well, a lead, you, you have to design or, or define what an actual lead is, right? So to, to you, it could be a lead that a lead is someone that's ready to, to sell within the next 90 days. Someone else, it may be a lead that's interested in selling in the next uh, 60 days, right? Or six months, right? But define okay. what, what, what your business is and what it looks like. So that way that there's no, like, um, like there's no confusion on it. Mm. So what do you consider, yeah. what do you personally consider a lead to be? Time frame motivation. So time frame's got to be under six months. Motivation, they have to have like a real reason for selling, not just because I want cash, right? And then they have to be willing to work with me. Okay. So and if they're not 
If they're not, sorry to, um, to interject real quick, if they're not willing to do any of those things, you're not even going to consider, you're not putting them into your database is what, you're, is what I'm understanding. They're not a lead. Okay. But you don't feel they're worth even following, having the home bot being sent out to them, say if they want it in six months. I mean, you, you can have them as, an, as a contact in the database. Like you can throw them as like, like I have a category of, uh, of list that I call archived. So just archived, which means that, well, heck, I got their email, right? If I have their email, doesn't cost me anything to send out an email to them. So I could throw them in that list, but I'm not, it's not someone that I'm following up with ever aside from just stuff that happens on the site. So, okay. it's so not you, you're very strict with what a lead with what category what's categorized as a lead. Yeah. There's a, a lead and then there's a opportunity, which is now like they're, they're ready to, to transact and stuff. Well then, I mean, how do you end up in a position where, you know, say you have somebody that isn't interested in those few months, but they end up, you know, eventually they're going to buy or sell. So that's like, that's what becomes kind of confusing. It's like, you want to be strict with prequal and decide whether somebody's actually serious or not. So you don't waste your time. But then there's also the concept of in two archive. years from now, if you're not there, they're going to someone else. Arch so it's archive it. That's what I do. I archive it. So just because something's in an archive doesn't mean that it's got no value. So I'm not following up with them in the sense of like, they're not making it into like my, 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 my actual follow-up, but I have like follow-up uh, set up with them. Um, mm -hmm. But I will put them on like a list. So let's say, for example, I can call expired or I can call this archive list. This archive list of people, they know me, they're not interested in maybe doing something for another year or two years. Um, but I can cold call that list, like upload that into Vulcan and then just call them again. Right. So but that's, how often would you call an archive list? Person? Whenever I got nothing else to call. Like it's not, it's just like, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's just, if, I, if there's no expires that came out for this last like couple of weeks and then, you know, just let's just sold like running a little bit dry. I'll just throw that one in there or I'll have somebody else uh, follow up with them. Okay. That's good advice. Yeah. And I remember, I remember what I was going to ask you before it was about um, uh, probate. I, I've also, I'm not familiar with that. Well, probate is basically when someone passes away, they leave the family right. the property with the family. So the courts now need to sell the property. Um, and the family's motivated in selling it because they don't want to be paying a mortgage when nobody's living there. And it's, you know, they usually want to cash out of the property. So how do you get, how do you get those? You just pay for those separately. Cause I've never, you can go to the courthouse and then pick up the, and, and get those leads. Aaron is actually a great, great person to talk to about that because he, he does a, a lot of business with uh, probates. Um, and then I'm sure you can find, I think there's like probate data and like, uh, like there's lead providers that provide probates and stuff. Um, I think Vulcan has an option for probates as well. Uh, hold on. But I'll talk to Aaron about that because he's he's very he's in my area. He's in my marketplace. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay, that's great. And foreclosures, you, you bother with that much or no? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, I, I bother like I get involved with those for like investment purposes. So I, yeah. I hit them up for I hit foreclosures, absentees. I hit uh, expires for selling owners. Like we had we had everything. The, the, the thing is, is that I, I just keep, I'm always looking at like where I'm getting like the most leads, like qualified leads. And I have a very defined uh, criteria for what a lead is. So what I look at is like number of calls that were logged, right? And then number of leads that were generated. So that'll tell me which like list I'm getting the most activity from. Like, let's say, for example, when, uh, when everybody stopped paying their mortgages, uh, I'm sorry, when everybody stopped paying their rent. Mm -hmm. uh, absentee owner leads went up. Like I was getting more leads from absentee owners. 
problem is, is that most people also still don't want to sell for the price that you need to sell when you have a tenant that's not paying. So it's, it's like every list will change. Like expireds could be real hot. Like you can spend an hour on the expireds and sometimes you get a lot of leads. Sometimes you don't. Maybe it's because of the amount of traffic of expires that are hitting. Maybe it's because it's right after, let's say, a big uh, Mike Ferry seminar where everybody's being taught to do expires. And now the entire marketplace is being flooded with expired calls. So, you know, it's not the best list uh, this month, but next month it could be. So I'm always tracking it and then I'll always adjust it. So I'll just adjust the amount of time that's being spent on each list. Yeah, that was another thing I was going to discuss with you. Like based on market, how do you know what to call more often? Because I just kind of blindly call expired and FISBOs every day, but I need to really pay attention to what the market's telling me on what makes more sense. Um, what do you think of that? Well, you I, tell me track that? I track it. Huh? I, I, I you kind of just gave me some, you kind of just gave yeah. me some, some ahas that you, you know, you went into that just now, but a little yeah. bit. What I'm saying is like, uh, keep it simple, right? So like the easiest way to get started with this is figure out who your target, who, who you want to be targeting, right? So if you're going to be making expireds, all right, that's one. Old expireds is another one. For sale by owners is another mm-hmm. one. Then just listed, just sold. So these are the- Now points. we're on each. Right, so now, yeah, put an hour in on each and then just look at how many leads are generated with each hour, right? So gotcha. where's your, and that'll tell you like, oh, well, shit, um, every hour that I spend here, I get three times more leads than I get over here. So this is probably the list that I got to focus on. And right. It's, at the end of the year, you'll look at it, like you can add it all up and say, okay, well, I spent, the dialer will tell you, you look at like the last 12 months and you can see, well, shit, I made uh, this many phone calls over here and spent three hours on the phone on, on or, or I'm sorry, 3,000 hours on the phone over here. And I only got two deals from this, from, from calling for you know 3,000 hours versus let's say this one over here where I spent 1000 hours and I got, you know, a hundred uh, deals or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. that's an extreme, but I'm just throwing numbers out there for everyone. That's what's, that's what's interesting though, because you can do, you know, let's say you call all four, you spend an hour on each for the first six months, you find that you're doing the best with expires percentage wise, you know, that doesn't mean, and Sam, you know, I'm a new realtor. So I've been making those calls for, for the first six months who's to say that that's always going to be the best form of contact where, where I'm getting the most success. Yeah. So it's like, let, that's let, the question let, is like, you, yeah. you, check it, you check it regularly. So you're going to check it like once a week or once a month. Okay. Yeah. You, 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 you can check it just based, like you want to audit them on a time. Like you you always want to be auditing your time to see what's working and what's not working. Okay. And then when do you kind of personally determine whether you should switch something? Like how much time do you need for it to be like, you know what? I should call more FISBOs. I, I'll look at it on a weekly basis. So like every week I'm looking at it and I'm saying, okay, so we made this many calls here and we're, we've got this many interested leads. We made this many calls here and we got this many interested leads. This is going to be a better list to call today or the, this next coming week. Okay. So you base it on the next week. Cause I'm saying like, yeah. it's, it's very back and forth. Yeah. Like I'll tell you, like another thing that you'll run into is like this list exhaustion. So you can, let's say for example, if you call, uh, the expireds well I've, I've already called the expireds like 10 times and like that that list is already beat to hell so <laughs> really not too many people like too many people i can call on that list anymore so uh-huh. i'm going to be spending let's say a lot more time on you know probates this next month right because it's, uh-huh. it's just producing a little bit better um and that also depends on like how many new leads you're getting every single month if let's say like the market's really really good so the expired right now are shitty like the, a lot of the expired properties are expired. It's like, yeah, they, they expired for a reason, you know? 
So it, it just really depends. Like every market's a little bit different, how many leads you're going to get from one source. And then, you know, the, the, how, how much you've exhausted that list already. Yeah. I have to focus more on the analytical side of things. Cause for me, it's not really an issue of putting in the work. I don't want to get, it's, you, don't, yeah, it's you don't, you don't want to get too, too hung up on this. I'll, I'll tell you this much, man. The, the key piece was those two things I told you do the 66 day challenge, do uh, the conversations, focus on one minute or more. That's all you got to do. But everything else, you'll throw it on as one layer at a time over a long period of time. But yeah. if you can't get the foundation part of it, which is get your 20 conversations in, it doesn't matter how efficient you try to get. Like it, it, you're not, you're never going to be efficient if you can't get that part done, right? There's one, there's always going to be one thing that's going to move the needle the furthest. That's that one thing. Right. Right. Once you get that habit down, then you can focus on the other stuff. Right. Yeah. Everything else is kind of fluff. It's, it's not, not important, but it's an 80% part of the problem. 80%. Yeah. yeah. 80% of your results are going to come in from just having those conversations. Right. And then now you can maybe get like a 20% increase in like your productivity by just making a small little adjustment. Like instead of saying, you know, do you want to sell saying, when are you thinking about selling? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So those are little tiny things where you'll start seeing better results over time and you start tweaking, right. but mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how good you're on the phone. If you don't go on the phone, right? Sure. Yeah. 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 That's, that's for sure. Absolutely. Okay. Angel, thank you so much. Much appreciated. You, you poured a lot into me. So I appreciate all the knowledge. Yeah, man. Um, I'm Absolutely. looking forward to apply, applying all the things we spoke about tomorrow. So I hope everyone listening enjoyed this and got a lot of value from it, whether you are a realtor, whether you're in any form of business or um, a future buyer or seller. Make sure, again, to subscribe, like, and share. You can. I'm going to drop your social media, by the way, so people can, can give it a gander. And uh, again, thanks so much for coming, and we'll be in touch. My pleasure, man. Let me know if I can help with anything else. Absolutely. We'll be in touch, bro. That's for sure. All right. No, talk to you later. Bro. Talk to you. Bye. Thank you.